there's OU O-lineman Andrew Rame. He sounds pretty confident that that offensive line can uh, get better from week one to week two and beyond as well. And I isn't that kind of the old saying, Travis Davidson, is that a team maybe improves the most from week one to week two? It's very uh, a very fair expectation from this team coming up on Saturday. Yeah, do you think that's different with an install like we saw um because I think we get better from week two to week three more personally. Because I think you, you've got to install a new offense, got to install a new defense, you got to install a new, I mean, strength and conditioning program, whole new culture, philosophy, soul mission, all everything that has been brand spanking new. I think where a lot of people are like, hey, we improve week one to week two the most. It's it's a lot of incumbency. It's it's a lot of people knocking off the rust that type of situation. I think I think you really see the growth happen a bit more on a longer runway with a team that's just had so much new. Yeah, um, I, I will say, though, I didn't see an offense on Saturday that looked like they were still having issues with the install. Again, they scored 21 points in 15 plays. We've said that multiple times. The offense, to me, looked pretty comfortable with what they were doing and the install, and it, it felt it didn't necessarily look like it was brand new to them. No, not that it's brand new for sure, um, but again, you even look at like the text line I was talking about earlier, the blitz packages and all that kind of stuff. I think they're still just super vanilla. I mean, the, what what do you think the the wildest offensive play they ran was? It the Gavin Freeman reverse? Um, yeah, I don't I, I don't even know what else would be close, honestly. Yeah, I mean that that's about as creative as you got there, and I don't think we saw really any exotic blitzing at all so i think that kind of stuff once you start to dive into the the tougher stuff to master i think you're still going to see growth there yeah hey there's a there's a handful of guys at least and you can add to this list who i think that their stock is up after game one and i'm going to start with this guy who led the team in sacks and what a great story it was for him. Um, could be the last game that his grandmother sees because she's um, she's she's dealing with a with an illness right now, an unfortunate situation. Reggie Grimes, though, Travis, stock is up on Reggie Grimes after game one. Well, yeah, I mean, he just he looks big out there, and you know, it wasn't even the it wasn't even the the, the sacks. Of course, love the sacks, right? Pursuit, finishing the play. Uh, we love that, but man, when he snuffed out kind of that check down, that screen they were setting up, man, that was incredible to me. I mean, a guy that size coming that fast at the quarterback has the wherewithal and the athleticism to stop and kind of move his hand with the eyes of the quarterback. Finally, the quarterback just throws it in the dirt. That's that goes as an incompletion, uh, but that's a huge game or that's a huge play. Yeah, text line, interact with this as well. Uh, you got someone that's stock up that we miss, uh, go ahead and text it in, 405-651-3439. How do you mention players that have their stock up? And we just mentioned him this segment. you got to say Gavin Freeman. Yes, he only touched the ball one time, but it was the most memorable touch of the entire day. His stock is up, and i got to think he's going to get more touches on Saturday. Yeah, especially the way Venables glowed about him, right? I mean... 
you have to assume he gets more. But what I'm what I'm interested to see is Levy talked about how he wanted to get more guys involved in the passing game, get guys um, get get a few more guys the ball. He spread the ball out decently fine. It's yeah, just, he really did. It just seems like we have a lot of dudes. I mean, your your leading receivers had three catches. I mean, you don't want to get into a scenario with a guy like Marvin Mims, who probably looked at Levy's offense last year and saw one guy that was featured, you know, in this offense, and and look up and all of a sudden he's averaging three catches a game. Uh, you know, you want to you want to continue to get that feature. I know we've got a lot of talent. And I know that we've got, you know, we, we want to see them. I know we want to see Jaden Gibson go and moss somebody. I know we want to see what the transfers have. And so I know we want to see all those guys. But you can't you can't just have complete even spread to eight different receivers and then still think you're going to get, you know, big-time players in recruiting. Well, and, and I just I think it overall benefits the offense if there's a clear number one option, a clear go-to guy. Like I, I look at the best offenses we've seen around here in the past 25 years, and I feel like every time I look at one of those offenses, I say, yeah, for the most part, there was a clear number one guy. Uh, 2017, I think Hollywood Brown was that guy. Certainly at the end of that uh, end of the year. 2016, D.D. Westbrook was definitely your go-to guy. 03 was a really good offense. Mark Clayton was clearly that guy. 2015, Sterling Shepard was without question your go-to guy. So, I look, it, it, and I don't want it to be an offense to where this all, they only feel comfortable throwing to one player. That's not what I want. But I do like to have one dominant receiver that in any given situation of the game, you can throw his way, Travis, and you know he's going to make a play. Yeah, and and like I said, Marvin Mims was out of here if Lincoln Riley stayed. I mean, I, that that I mean, you you read the tea leaves of his trainer uh, in Texas, everything like that, everything that was coming from, you know, the the insiders, if you will, over on two four seven and and other spots. But you need that you need to have a go to guy, just like Levy did at Ole Miss. You have to have the go to guy because you know who gets drafted, <laughs> the go to guy, right? He gets drafted high. You know, you can recruit more talent. And here's the thing. I know we all looked at the 2019 class and saw a bunch of five-star wide receivers, and they didn't pan out. Theo's obviously got a chance to now. But didn't pan out, and now we're seeing Venables bring in defensive linemen, and we're saying to ourselves, well, screw getting five-star wide receivers. Let's get, let's get five-star defensive linemen. Of course, I would personally rather have five-star defensive linemen than five star wide receivers but i'd sure as heck like five star wide receivers too i mean i'd like i'd like them in addition to the defensive line i mean you look at look at ohio state look at jackson smith and jigba look at chris olave look at garrett wilson those guys that offense was unfair last year once those guys all got cooking and it was because they just had better jimmies and joes than whatever corners they were going up against so if they had a defense worth something it might have been a little different you know, I and I think Levy said after the game that three receptions is not enough for Marvin Mims, and I think that we can all agree on that. I feel very strongly that as of right now, and it's probably not going to change, they view him as their guy at wide receiver. He's he's their number one target. So I think that there's a real chance this Saturday, Travis, after just three catches, that they get him going early with some deep opportunity, sure. 
but some short stuff as well. I could see, you know, having some play designs where you might throw a wide receiver screen or a bubble screen to Marvin Mims and get him out in open space where he's really good. Uh, maybe some slants, just some some short things to get him the ball in open space to create some opportunities for him. Because I, I do think that they want more than three opportunities or three catches for Mims moving forward. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and it, it really goes to show, though. But, I mean, we talked about on this on this show uh, last week, it was run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And, and people, man, people were getting all hot and bothered on the text line when we talk about running for a lot of yards. Well, we ran the ball a lot. I think it was 36 carries to 21 passes. That's just off the top of my head. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But it's something similar to that if I'm off by one or two on each. 21 passes um, to 36 rushes, 6.8 yards a clip on the ground. I mean, I think we averaged 8.1 yards a play. So there aren't when you only throw the ball 21 times, I mean, there aren't that many targets to, to divvy up. You know what I mean? So we kind of have to decide. Yeah. And I guess we don't have to decide. Levy does. Do you want to run the ball a ton, or do you want to have a little more balance and and, and keep the defense guessing? Uh, another guy that I think is stock up now is your dude Theo Weiss. Now, he only had three catches for 37 yards, but his stock is up to me because of the 33-yard reception that he had. And it wasn't a 33-yard reception where he just got behind the defense in the middle of the defense and he was just wide open and it was an easy pitch and catch no i think he made a really athletic move over there on the sideline to get some yards after the catch and get up the field i liked what i saw from theo Wees on that play on saturday see theo Wees has incredible balance and strength um you know in order to get out of that tackle i think it's it's pretty much a carbon copy of one i believe we saw against baylor um when he was i believe a true freshman so you, you see him come out of that break on the sideline, and a lot of receivers would think, I'm by the sideline, go ahead and go out of bounds. That is not Theo. Theo understands that he's got an opportunity here, he's finally healthy, and he wants to get upfield. And he's always had it. He just needs to stay healthy, and I, I think you're right. I think that that's far more impressive than just a, you know, got found the soft part of his own or something like that and sat down in it. Uh, he, he took the ball, he turned it upfield and made something out of it. Last one I have, stock up, and I know uh, about 50% of you on the text line are going to say, yep, yep, I agree, absolutely, yes. He's my guy at one running back since it seems like everyone's split right now on who their favorite running back on the team is. Stock up's Marcus Major for me, you know. Um, we said it eight months ago. He needed to have this type of spring. He needed to have this type of summer. And if he got an opportunity when the season starts, he needed to have this type of a start. He did that on Saturday. He looked good, man. Stock is up for major. That doesn't mean that he's the number one guy on Saturday. Far from it. But he looks clearly to be the number two back at this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Eric Gray did enough to uh, fend him off uh, for for at least one more week. I'll tell you what, Eric Gray does look a lot stronger. I realize he wasn't out there, uh, you know, truck-sticking Will Anderson or anything like that. I get there was a competition issue. But – I mean, he's playing that that foot hard. I believe, uh, you know, he picked up that short yardage situation um, to extend, to move the change, extend the drive, and put when he, he plants that first foot, jukes hard, and he's able to run through contact. I think we noticed a lot last year when he got tackled, he was kind of moving backwards or being drugged down pretty easy. 
I saw a lot of things on Saturday where he hit the hole between the tackles and he actually was able to fall forward on runs. And that matters immensely, you know, in a game of inches down the road. You know, th- that falling forward is going to be important, but you're right. Marcus Major had a great eight weeks, had a, had a good Saturday, and if he can be that goal line back, he can rack up some touchdowns pretty quickly. Who did I miss? Who else's stock is up on this team? I mean, again, I, I think Braden Willis, and, and I touched on this, Braden Willis, weight room Willie, I get it, the two touchdowns, but pregame, he's he's leading the chance uh, on yep. the stretching line. He's lead blocking for for Freeman's run that, you know, a lot of people pointed out later. He's lead blocking. I think he got three different dudes on the, on the same play. And then, I mean, you, you've got him shouting out afterwards in the game ball, the, I'll run, I'll run through a wall for you, coach. That was Braden Willis. Like, Braden Willis keeps on just popping up. And it seems like, I mean, it was it, he was there all along, but maybe we undersold him a bit as kind of one of the, um, you know, heart and souls of this team. Um, yeah, we definitely did it. Like Dylan Gabriel is the leader of that offense. There's no question about it. He's the quarterback. He's experienced. Like it was one of those situations where, you know, sometimes I would say even most of the time, that a transfer portal guy he walks through the door and he's got to earn it, man. He's got to earn a lot of respect, especially at quarterback. He's got to win the team over. I think Dylan Gabriel had to do that to some extent, but as much as he had accomplished walking in the door for the first time and what kind of dude he is, I felt like that was a pretty seamless transition. The team pretty immediately was like, yeah, this is our guy, let's go. With uh, with, with, with Braden Willis, so I think that if he's not the overall leader, he's right there with, with Dylan Gabriel. And I don't think that there's anyone on this team that's going to benefit more when I'm talking about their success at the next level than Braden Willis for coming back for this year. He's already been fantastic. I think he's going to have a monster, monster year. Uh, text line is saying Michael Turk. Cannot forget Michael Turk. Uh, well, the text line out. says but his, not se- not sexy, but Michael Turk is good. <laughs> hey, I don't know. I, I won't tell. Uh, I won't tell Turk you, you don't think he's sexy. He, his he, stock was already that. up. It's like the the best putter we've seen around here in a while. So I don't uh, know if he, his stock is up. It's right where it always has been. Talk about the uh, talk about his ups, man. That high snap goes up and gets it and still gets off a good one. I mean, that's the kind of stuff where you know that goes over the head. All of a sudden, uh oh, we're we're starting to we're starting to sweat a little bit more than we uh, were from that heat. Uh, text line says Braden Willis was the best player on the field last Saturday. Very hard to argue that. Um, this one says, I don't think Dylan Gabriel's arm strength was anything special. I know he didn't throw many deep balls, but it didn't blow me away by any means. What do you all think? I thought Gabriel's arm strength was just fine. Like, did it look like Josh Allen out there? No, but I didn't expect it to. Here's the deal, Travis. Dylan Gabriel does not have the strongest arm in, in, in college football this year. I, I think it is a yeah, strong arm. Yeah. But I, his, his arm strength is plenty enough to have one of the better offenses in the country. That, that well, doesn't here, here's, the, here's the thing. We don't need him to be Kyler. We don't need him to be Baker. We may not need him to be Jalen. That's the thing, man. With, with this team, he can go out there, score three touchdowns, one on the ground, couple through the air. I mean, he didn't need a five or six touchdown performance in order for us to win this thing handily. 
because we have defense now, people. We have Brent Venables, we have Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis, Ted Roof, Jay Vali, all these guys coaching up this defense. We, 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 I think we got lulled into this, you know, this fear of, man, we've, man, we got to score 50, man. We got to keep going. We got our, our quarterbacks got to throw for 5,000 yards and, and, and 50 touchdowns in order for us to compete. It's just simply not the case. If you have the run game that we saw averaging six point yard, 6.8 yards a carry, flashes from Javante Barnes, Marcus Major looking like he's due to have his best season, Eric Gray bulked up, looking good, and then you have a defense that apparently had a bad day and got six sacks. Apparently that was a bad day from the defensive line, according to a lot of the postgame. Then, yeah, we just need Dylan to not make big mistakes, command the offense, command the team, and, and, and just and just make the right decision. Again, we don't need a 2018 Kyler to, to win ballgames. Billy Bowman stock way up. That's from the 817 area code. Yeah, agree with that as well. He's going to return. He's going re- to return one. Maybe he two. almost did last week. He you think he's got more pick week. sixes or return touchdowns this year? Uh, return touchdowns. Which one would okay. you prefer out of the two? I... I think return touchdowns simply because it's been so long, and it's and and it was so. We had turnovers last year. I mean, we had we had the thick six, the famous thick six, uh, and against Iowa State, and we've had plays like that. But if we can start hitting those big returns, man. But then you know you know what's going to happen if uh, um, if we uh, if we get that return is help defense putting the defense on the field. Jeez. I know. Golly. Maybe we How do we expect be... to have a great defense when we're getting special teams touchdowns? Man, <laughs> this is this is ridiculous. We'll have a our defense getting way too tired. Billy, take a knee. What are you doing? Fair catch. Jeez, jeez. You're probably <laughs> right. It'll be that, and then uh, saying, "Well, Mule Shoe, see what happens, Mule Shoe, when you pay attention to special teams." No, you're right. That'll be the first and second I'd, thing that we. I'd say rather have that. After Billy I'd Bowman rather have that one. Yeah, true. All right, uh, more of your text coming up next, 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I'm at Suter Bowl. We're speaking of the OU defense. Key Lawrence is going to be here tonight from 6 to 8 p.m. Bring the kids by, meet Key, bowl with Key. That's going to be really cool here at Suter Bowl in Norman. Travis is at FC Tulsa, One Oak Field. Just go up to the ticket office and say, Travis sent me. You're going to get a free ticket tonight for the FC Tulsa soccer match there at One Oak Field. More to come next on The Rush. Keep it locked right here on the Home of Suter fans. This hour of The Rush is brought to you by Cavens Construction. Remodeling, roofing, water restoration, and facility maintenance. Call Cavens at 405-473-3048 or in Tulsa, 918-282-7612 or visit CavensConstruction.com. It is The Rush on The Ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers are bringing you this hour of The Rush. I'm at Sooner Bowl in Norman, getting ready for Key Lawrence from 6 to 8 p.m. tonight. Travis is with FC Tulsa. They got a match tonight, Tulsa listeners, 918 listeners. And you can go to the match for free just by showing up to the ticket office and saying, Travis sent me, which is pretty cool. All right, got a few teams here nationally. Travis, uh, you tell me if your mind has been changed at all about these teams after what we saw week one. Let's start with Michigan who was a college football playoff team last year. They're still trying to figure out who their best quarterback is. They hammered Colorado State in week one, looked very impressive. 
did your opinion change at all on uh, Go Blue after what they did to CSU? I I don't think so. I think Michigan is still a good team. I think they're going to win a lot of games this year. I, I think it was helpful for them last year to kind of get over that hump of finally beating Ohio State and doing so decidedly. Yeah. Um, you know, making the playoff, things like that. I mean, I think getting that monkey off your back is is really important. So I expect them to be good this year. And let me tell you, Ohio State, their defense uh, sure looked improved from Jim Knowles. But, man, if, if Jackson Smith and Jigman misses any time, that, that offense tends to sputter a bit. I don't know if my opinion changed it all on Michigan. How could it? I mean, you did exactly what you were supposed to do to beat Colorado State, though they looked impressive. But their, their start to the season, their schedule is it's cake, man. And I, I, I definitely think that we're going to be going into the month of November saying, yeah, Michigan is a legitimate threat to make the playoff again. And by the way, Travis, they do play maybe the worst team in the country this week. They've got Hawaii at home in the big house. And all Hawaii <laughs> has done up to this point, they play two games at home, and they've been outscored 112 to 127. I repeat, Hawaii, two games at home, pretty difficult road trip. 112 to 27 at home, and the two opponents they played are Vanderbilt and Western (laughs) Kentucky. I pray for them what's going to happen in the big house this weekend. Oh, my God. One, when you look at, you bring up their schedule, and that's a great point. Um, You know, you had Penn State lose that one. It's not the Penn State of old. (laughs) Iowa's. As offensive woes are are well documented. Again, the non-con doesn't really you know doesn't really have much to scare you. You know they don't play a ranked opponent until at least a currently ranked opponent until the end of October when they host Michigan State and they've got a bye the week before that. And so I mean, I could see them taking an undefeated record into that Ohio State game at the shoe and. Could we see Tyler a uh, an instant where the Big Ten is the one to get two teams in this year? Yeah, yeah, I, I really think we can, especially since those teams are in the same division. We saw it before, back in two thousand and six, I want to say, where both Michigan and Ohio State played in a game where they were both undefeated. And if that's the case, and it's a close game, like the committee would want Michigan and Ohio State in, both of those. I, I think that right. there's an opportunity for it, absolutely, yeah. That's not good for OU, but I, I think no. the committee would be down for that. Um, next team I have, the team that we all hate around here, but they did win convincingly against Rice last weekend. USC beat Rice 66-14. Did your opinion of USC at all change after what you saw out of the Coliseum last weekend? Um, personally, no, uh, because that's just, that's just how I feel about rice. Uh, they are real bad, real, real bad. And it was seven, seven at the end of that first quarter, you know, before a a few pick sixes turned the tide. And here's the thing. We know what Alex Trench is. We know, we know, we know who Lincoln Riley is. We, we understand that is not sustainable for Alex Trench to all of a sudden get three pick sixes a game. You know what I mean? Like, we've seen that. We've seen what he can do with elite athletes, and he has a worse roster there. And I don't think you can all of a sudden spin it to say, oh, now they're just going to be this, you know, this top five defense or anything like that. But, um, 
I, I would keep an eye on Stanford, man. I'm uh, there. I think there's a there's a bit of confidence in that locker room. I'm hearing so. Um, after after Pat watching Fields telling you they're confident or what? Is is that what you're telling me? Uh, he's he he reached out on Sunday after watching huh. them on Saturday, and yeah, I think I w- I wouldn't. I think he'll have a good game. Just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Travis t- says take Stanford in the eight points. That what's the, that's what he's trying to tell you there. Take Stanford on the money line. Have any have even more fun with it. Yeah, hey, absolutely. But opinion. but any gambling tips I cannot be held responsible for. Any gambling losses uh, I do not owe any money on. But if anything you hear on this show makes you money, then Tyler and I will accept some tips. One hundred percent. I my mind is not flipping on USC. They had three pick sixes against Rice. That's awesome. That's great. That never happened here, but that's beside the point. Whatever. They are not going to continue to have huge plays defensively moving forward. The defense is still the weak link of that football team by a wide margin. They still will continue to struggle defensively. I think we might even see that on Saturday. My mind is not changing on USC, though I did not think that they would win 66-14 to over Rice. Um, let's go to the SEC. What about the Florida Gators, man? Not only did they have a great win over Utah, but they showed they have a dude, a legit playmaker in Anthony Richardson. I got to say, man, my mind did change a little bit on the Florida Gators after what I saw, after what I, what they have at quarterback. Yeah, yeah, he, he made some plays that were definite eye-openers. I think we, uh, for those of you that watched the game or saw the highlights, you saw that kind of jump, pass, fake, spin, tuck, you know, that out around, and then he uh, found the guy in the uh, corner of the end zone. Uh, I mean, impressive stuff. Only passed for 168 yards. So it's not like he sat back there and really just picked him apart by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, from from just a traditional, uh, you know, passing perspective. But, yeah, he's good. Florida's got some athletes. I'm not all the way sold on them. I thought Utah would be a bit better than that. But, I don't know, that Swamp's a tough place to play. Utah's got to come all the way across the country uh, to play in it. I know it's week one, but I don't know. I think they they jumped in the rankings maybe a little bit too high. But, hey, they got a top ten win under their belt. Now let's see what they go do with it. Text line says Florida would be great in the Pac-12, not the SEC. 405, Florida defense slash secondary is horrible. So, all right, well, I guess I'm the only one that was uh, impressed with Florida on Saturday. Okay, um, back to the Big 12. Oklahoma State had one of the more interesting games in week one in that the first 30 minutes, they completely dominated. In the next 30 minutes, they got outscored and kind of for the most part got completely dominated. Your opinion at all change on Oklahoma State after that Central Michigan game? Well, they're they're clearly missing Jim Knowles. And not only are they missing Jim Knowles, they're missing Malcolm Rodriguez. They're missing a lot of that secondary. Keep in mind, they had a ton of guys that used their COVID years, used, you know, their retro, things like that. They had, they had grown men running all over that defense. And Malcolm Rodriguez is uh, looking like he's uh, – He's going to carve himself out a nice spot there in Detroit. I think Hard Knucks did well for him. And Detroit, I think, had their first sellout, uh, actually, wow. in a long time. I think I saw that come across. So Detroit, man, Hard Knocks did well for them. There are a lot of people really excited about them. So 
yeah, I think as far as OSU goes, Central Michigan put up a ton of points against them. I mean, they made they they made that quarterback look like you know look look like a Heisman candidate. So we'll see. I I, I truly don't trust Spencer Sanders to you know live up to the Heisman hype that we were getting after the first half of Week One from those announcers. You know, at halftime they go to studio. Oh, Heisman hopeful. We've got they've got Barry Sanders. Why not add Spencer Sanders to the list of Heisman Trophy? Like, what? Calm down. Pump the brakes. Yeah, We've seen this before. Not gonna happen. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you on Oklahoma State. We got time for one more. Let's just go. I, I had Georgia down. I had Ohio State down. Text line. If you got opinions on them, shoot them over. Let's just go with Oklahoma. And Oklahoma to me is. No, my, my mind didn't really change. I, would I have liked to see the offensive line play a little bit better? Sure, but they were exactly what I thought that they were going to be, Travis, which was fundamentally better, especially defensively, which is something I like to see. I picked this team to make it to the college football playoff, so my mind didn't really change at all drastically after seeing them beat up on UTEP. Yeah, I, it's they did what they were supposed to do, right? I mean, they covered the spread, and I – and I know, so when I bring up covering the spread, and I know I do it a lot. I get that. That isn't because I'm a degenerate. It doesn't mean that I'm gambling all the time or anything like that. It simply means that Vegas, the smart people, clearly, I mean, they got the spread in here on, on the money, uh, but the smart people in this sport that make the lines, we did better than what they thought we would do. I don't care about what you know, Colin Coward thinks we're going to do. I don't care what Skip Bayless thinks we're going to do. I don't care what Desmond Howard thinks we're going to do. That They all get paid for entertainment these days. I care what Vegas thinks we're going to do because that is who you can trust. And we did better than what they thought we were going to do. So, uh, so, yeah, I mean, right par for the course. Make your tackles, run the ball, get your dub. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Keep it locked on the ref. More college football next. We're the homeless Sooner fans. It's time to up your game with the latest in ref gear and let the world know you're part of the ref army. Visit the ref store at kref.com for hats, sweatshirts, ref branded t-shirts, and exclusive t-shirts like our Ban 11 a.m. kickoff shirt. Breathe if you hate Texas shirt or the brand new I'm All In Team 128 shirt. Wear what we wear and get your ref gear at kref.com today. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers. Bring you hour number two of The Rush, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. And I'll say this, Travis, before I read this stat. I have no idea if this is accurate. I did not fact check it, check it, but it was uh, on a King of the Hill fan page on Twitter, so I'm just going <laughs> to go ahead and assume that this is accurate, okay? Oh, yeah. Um, That's gospel. Here, here's, what's wrong. here's what's wrong with Texas football, okay? Texas football, during the 12 years – that King of the Air, or excuse me, King of the Hill was airing on TV. Texas was 128, 27. They were they had an 82.6 winning percentage with one national title. I'll read that again. Texas football during the 12 years of King of the Hill, 128 and a 27 overall record, 82 percent winning percentage, and they won the uh, 2005 national title. Tw- uh, Texas football in the 12 years since King of the Hill stopped airing. Just 83 and 71, just under a 54% winning percentage. And how about this, Travis? 
Texas football in the 12 years before King of the Hill aired, 77-60-2, just a 56% winning percentage. Without King of the Hill, Texas football has been average. Wow. What what does this all mean? Something to think about. I don't know if Mike Judge is listening to this or not and wants to bring it back. Hopefully he doesn't, but it's got to mean something. Something to think about, sure, because – because uh, in the show they're Texas fans, so that's. I wonder if the teams maybe maybe that was uh, Max' secret all those years. He play a few episodes uh, or they'd watch throughout the week of uh, King of the Hill, and it would get uh, get them all amped up. Boomhauer giving a pregame speech to the guys. You think that that's why they're winning all those games for twelve years? Could be. I mean, Mac, <laughs> there aren't a lot of good explanations otherwise. So I mean, I guess if you had to pick one. I mean, is this like a Simpsons thing where they have the Simpsons keep predicting the future? Do 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 animated series have more power than we give them? Uh, I I do remember a King of the Hill episode where Texas lost to Nebraska, the game where uh, they end up going and paying a whole lot of money, and they they only see him lose to Nebraska. So yeah, potentially, that's probably it. Yeah. And Texas and Nebraska both been crap since that episode. Just interesting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good pull. Uh, so you was that was that so you were on a King of the Hill meme page just scrolling? Uh well, it showed up in my timeline. I don't I, oh, I like okay, King of okay. the Hill, but I'm not as such a loyal fan that I just follow all the uh, all the accounts on there. No. Um, speaking of Texas, I'm trying to find an upset for week two. I'm not going to pick Texas. I don't know why I said speaking of Texas. They're not they're not going to upset anyone this weekend. They're going to get destroyed. What um what upset are we gonna have? I mean, we we did have some last weekend. Florida over Utah was definitely the upset of the weekend. Is anyone South Carolina at Arkansas? Anyone want to mess around with um, Pitt over Tennessee? Like Pitt is ranked higher, but they're like a touchdown dog at home. Uh, Kentucky over Florida. I might like that one a little bit. Um, I guess if I had to pick an upset, I might take Kentucky in the swamp over the Florida Gators this weekend. Or yeah, Stanford you, you, over USC. Well, I'll tell you what. I think out of those, I like Pitt the most probably. Uh, but they're all kind of coming off of, I mean, the ones you mentioned, kind of uh, Florida uh, and Pitt, they're coming off some emotional games, man. That that backyard brawl was heavily emotional. What a, what a great scene, first of all. Great game down there, and then that Florida and Utah game—that was—that was quite the scene too down in the swamp. Coming off emotional early season wins against teams that we don't know if they're any good or not. Um, yeah, I'd I'd probably lean the pit game uh, as my have said if I had to. Yeah, this this text says Utah greater than Kentucky. Uh, yeah, maybe so, um, but I think Kentucky. I don't know. Everyone's up and down do on Will that? Levis at quarterback. We do not know that. Here's an opportunity for Will Levis to prove that he should be considered as one of the top quarterbacks in next year's NFL draft. This is one I mean, of the bigger got, moments They've got the of quarterback advantage, yeah? I mean, they've got the quarterback advantage. I don't know. That's I, I wouldn't be as quick to say Utah's bet. They had an easier path, that's for sure. The I think what would be interesting to see is, 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 is the Pac-12 cooked already? Week one, yes, is there? Yes, their their playoff hopes Absolutely are done. With it is Oregon getting a mud hole stomped in them, and then Utah losing to at the time what was an unranked Florida team, a team that doesn't seem like it's 
going to be much of a threat um, to the top end of the east there and certainly not to the top end of the west. So do, uh, does Muleshoe have the uh, entire weight of the Pac-12's playoff hopes on his shoulders? Maybe. Looks yes, like he it. does. And, and I don't see it any other way because I don't care what happens to Oregon from here on out. The one, and, and we know how the Pac-12 is perceived. Like, that's important information here. Let's Let's consider that. Oregon doesn't play, and it's the same thing for Utah as well, Oregon doesn't play anybody the rest of the year that's perceived to be a really good football team this year. Oregon could win the Pac-12, win out, and be a one-loss team, but what's the committee going to say? Well, yeah, but the one really good team they played, they got absolutely destroyed in week one. Oregon's eliminated. Utah, I think the same thing as well. I, I Even if USC's really good, and I don't think USC's going to be really good this year, there's not really another team that they could beat for people to really change their mind. They had their one opportunity in the swamp against Florida to beat a good Florida team. I think they're out of the race now after losing in week one. And, again, I don't think that USC is going to be in a position to make the playoffs. So I, it's one of my favorite traditions in college football, Travis. The Pac-12 being eliminated after week one. We've seen it several times before. Pac-12 ain't going to be in the playoff, dude. It's it's over. Yeah, it it's funny with week one since it is week one do you think the the committee will uh opt for the oh man lock and change if you gotta lose you might as well lose not early with the pack 12 or do you not think there's just guys, not enough Travis. opportunities to i don't think there aren't enough opportunities for them to get any of that back by you know winning back-to-back games over ranked teams or something like that yeah that's it because the pack 12 doesn't provide any of those opportunities for people right. to change their mind now if it was Florida or Georgia losing week one, yeah, they have plenty of time to change people's minds. Georgia's going to play um, a, an SEC schedule, as is Florida. You know, you could change your mind about those teams. Not in the Pac-12, man. That, that ain't going to happen. So, yeah, man, the, the Pac-12 is uh, is officially cooked. By the way, um, this is breaking, kind of. We found out about it in mid-August. But Joseph Wete, linebacker, is in the transfer portal it was reported uh, on OU Insider that he had left the team in mid-August. So there you go. Joseph Wete, linebacker, is uh, actively in the transfer portal. We'll see what happens to him. All right, we'll close up hour number two of The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Stream at home. Shop the latest ref gear. Read the latest issues of Boyd Street or 19th Street Magazine. And listen to the podcast for your favorite ref shows. Just visit the all-new KREF.com website. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. I'm at Sooner Bowl in Norman. Key Lawrence is going to be here from 6 to 8 p.m. Travis is at One Oak Field in Tulsa. For the FC Tulsa game tonight, that gets underway at 7.30. Doors open at 6.30. Want a free ticket? Well, that's easy. A lot of you took advantage of that a couple of weeks ago. You went to the box office and said, Travis sent me. They gave you a free ticket. And guess what? It's the same thing tonight. So if you're uh, new to FC Tulsa or you're used to going to games, you went a couple weeks ago, great. Same opportunity tonight. Go uh, to the ticket office. Say, Travis sent me. They're going to get you in the door for free FC Tulsa against Louisville tonight. Um, dude, how many how many recruits are going to be in town this weekend? This is all of a sudden shaped up to all be maybe the biggest recruiting weekend they're going to have the entire season. Yeah, I mean, to get them to come in, you know, first night game, first look at the LEDs, what should be a 
knock on wood, comfortable win for the Sooners. Um, you know, headlined, of course, by five stars. Could be lots of them. Could be David Hicks, Peyton Bowen, Jackson Arnold. You get you get those three in there. I mean, there are going to be some other people in town, obviously, trying their best to help with that recruiting process of specifically Bowen, obviously Hicks as well. Um, but, yeah, I think, I believe, uh, shouldn't Jackson Arnold be joining Parker on the pregame on Saturday? I think I heard that, right? Yeah. Yeah, he is. And um, Caden Green, four-star offensive tackle, he's committed to the 23 class. He's also mm-hmm. uh, potentially going to come by as well. So that's it's pretty cool, man. Yeah, you're going to want to come by the, uh, the pregame show uh, right out there in Campus Corner outside of Hertz Donuts. You're going to want to come by. Going to be a star-studded show. But, yeah, lots of recruits coming in. Uh, they want to get all these things wrapped up kind of by the time conference play hits. Obviously, again, you, you leave the light on for some guys, but should be a fun weekend. Travis Davidson said earlier today on Locked In, 65% chance that five-star Peyton Bowen flips from Notre Dame to OU. You, you still staying with that 65 a couple of hours after that prediction? Yes, still good pu- with it? Publicly, publicly or silently. Yes. Wow. I'm good with it. 65%. And, oh, we've seen some momentum around here with recruiting in the 23 class. They get that flip along with David Hicks. Those would probably be the two biggest things that have happened in this 23 class. That would be monumental. Final hour of the rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. Hey, Sooner fans, we've got you covered. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. No, we don't get a break. <laughs> this is the home of Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network.